Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. So what number was on your temperature this morning? Was it minus 12? Mi minus 12? Okay. So when we got here, I think it was minus 15? 16? Minus 16? Minus 21? Let's, let's bless our brother. <laughs> That's so cold. Oh. Did you bring your little lap blankets today or your coat? You did, sister? Very good. I'm proud of you because I did too. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful that we could be in the house of God today. Thank you for your word. We thank you for each one that has traveled here through the cold to be in Sunday school, Lord. And it's to be in your presence, Lord. We just want to be in your presence Lord, to be in your spirit, just reach out and touch each one. Minister to our hearts, our minds, spirits. And Lord, we pray that you would bless our pastor and his wife as they are gone. Let them have a great celebration time with Mama. Blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. He is so good. I'm so glad to be part of the family of God. We serve a great, big, wonderful God. And I love that we can come together and celebrate Jesus Christ. We are a special group that we can do that, and I just am so thankful. Um, have that oneness, um, that heart for loving, serving the Lord. <clears throat> Praise God. I do have a little water cup. Lon, would you bring it to me? Thank you so much. <laughs> I said, this is my busy week for um, decorating. So like 58 wreaths that I created this year for the hospital. And then we did a pediatric dentist, Kendra and I, yesterday. So we're, we're on, yeah, it's the end of the, you know what, it's like, okay, <laughs> my voice. <laughs> Praise God, he's so good. Today's lesson is called Living Water. And we're continuing in our series um, of Thanksgiving, um, as we approach Thanksgiving here, we're continuing in the, this series, and it's just such a good series. We're showing now the works and wonders of Jesus Christ, how he presents as the Messiah to the whole world, and we get to see that in Scripture. And as we get closer to December 25th, we're going to see even more how in the Word of God we have the Messiah, Jesus Christ, given to us. Um, so thankful that we can pray that God would help us to have a heart of repentance always, every day, to love people, to love our families, to love souls, and, and to pray for those that do not know him, to experience him, for God to draw them by his spirit, Sometimes we can knock our head against a wall thinking, how can I, what can I do? I want to do more. Sometimes that overzealous Christian, just saying, can really scare and freak out a lot of new converts or new people, really can. So then we in our zeal, there's got to be this restraint in our spirit, in our zeal. We can give that to God and share it with him and say, Lord, <laughs> You know, I need my son or my daughter or my, my grandchild or my, my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister, whoever it is in your family. You want them so desperately to know him. 
But you know what? They want to be able to spend time with you and not feel like, <clears throat> whack, <laughs> whack, <laughs> whack. They want to feel that you love them, that you support them, that you're there for them, and that no matter what, you're, gonna, you're there for them. You love them. You support them. You're going to, you know what? When they have questions, they're going to ask you. When they have prayer requests, they're going to call you. And it doesn't matter what time it is. They're going to call you. Just keep being a living example of Jesus Christ, and a living example of him. And you know what? Let his love shine through you, especially through the holidays as we are approaching Thanksgiving. You know what? That would be something for all of us to do is just to have that heart of repentance in our, in our spirit. Repent and then express that gratitude to God, that thanksgiving to God for all the things that he has done for us, everything he's done for us. Um, and I would like to say as we approach Thanksgiving, that gratitude turns what we have into enough. It does. And that's what it will do. And I know that when we are living outside of his spirit and we get stressed during the holidays and anxious and nervous and frustrated, that's not the will of God. Peace is the will of God. And if you're starting to feel that way, you know what? There's what we just go back to the old rugged cross. Lord, I don't want to live through the Thanksgiving or Christmas holidays stressed, anxious, nervous, frustrated, but the peace of God which passes all understanding can and will quicken our hearts and minds. We just have to get into that place of submission to him again. It's just reminding ourselves what is important as we run around. <laughs> what's, what's the most important thing, right? So as we prepare our hearts for this season, love, give, serve others. Um, and perhaps in invite someone to enjoy your celebration with you. I, I don't know who it's going to be, but we've, and this is kind of a sad story, but it's beautiful. Lonnie and I picked someone years ago that we would always purchase a Thanksgiving meal for. And it was probably two winters ago that we heard that there was a house fire and a man who burned in the house and he died of course, and it was that gentleman that we had bought our Thanksgiving meal for, and that really did something to my gut and my spirit. But there are people that are out there that really could use help. And I know one time when our kids were, I'm getting to the lesson, when our kids were younger, we wanted to just teach them how to not always have everything for themselves. Like for Christmas, you know, it's all about what am I getting? My list, what I'm getting, what do I want? But to give to somebody else. So we did, we did find someone in our community that we connected with, I connected with, and Kendra came with to deliver gifts. And we got in the back in the vehicle and she said, Mom, did you see how they're living? She had never seen that before, and I had seen, I have seen that before, and it's, if you don't see it, you just think it doesn't maybe exist, 
but it does. So anyway, God is good to help us. He blesses us. We get to bless other people. Perhaps God will bring someone to your heart. And if he does over this holiday season, listen to him. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a turkey dinner. It can be a note in the mail. It can be something to encourage because people do need that little note of encouragement, um, thanking them for whatever it was, for whatever they've done, how their spirit has impacted you, how whatever, just that small something. How many of you have gotten a note in the mail this year from someone? Yes. And it's amazing what it did for your spirit, brother. Didn't it do something amazing to your spirit? You know that they took the time to write this, to say these great things or words, and it thinks, wow, it's amazing. It does do something. And we give God glory for all the people that we're able to connect with. Um, the Bible says to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. It's not about our service to others, but rather what God does to others and ourselves through our service. Praise God. I, I found this poem. I, I thought it was really super sweet. And it just kind of gets right back to the core of what the Bible teaches us. It says, I love this time of year with Thanksgiving just ahead. It reminds me of some facts in the Bible I have read. In all things be thankful. Let joy and praise flow out of you. For everything be grateful. Give God the glory he is due. Make peacefulness your habitation. Let your gentleness be known. Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Never be the first to cast a stone. Extend a hand to the needy. Let charity be your perfect gift. Help all those who have not bring back to God those adrift. Show others your appreciation. Let them see your gratitude. Bless them for their helpfulness. Be not selfish in your attitude. Reach out to the sick and hurting. Let them see Jesus' true compassion. Show all acts of grace and mercy. Let not the sun go down on your passion. Be content with all that you have. Rejoice in whatever is your state. Be satisfied with all of the goodness God places each day on your plate. In, beginning be th in everything be thankful. Let your praise be heard by all. In everything be grateful. Let your joy be seen by all. Isn't that lovely? Just as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday, Psalms tells us that it's good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, to declare your loving kindness in the morning, your faithfulness every night. You are faithful, Lord. You are good. And we tell him that when we wake up. We tell him that before we go to bed. And sometimes as we go to bed at night, I I just, he's been my constant companion ever since, ever since I came to the Lord. So I talk to him. So at nighttime, I just say, thank you, Lord, for this day. It's been great. And I just, and Lonnie sometimes will say, um, what did you say? 
what did, um, I said, no, I'm just thanking the Lord for the day. Because <laughs> I literally just am so thankful. And I just always want to remember that. And even getting up in the morning, he's put breath in our lungs. He's given us another day. Thank God. And it's a good thing. Isaiah 12, 4 through 5 says, And that on that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done glorious things. Let his name be known throughout the earth. Amen. Yeah. And the thing about being thankful, which leads to gratitude, is that research shows that this thankfulness in our spirits can reduce stress. Amen. It can improve our physical and mental health. Amen. <laughs> and people who are constantly counting their blessings tend to be happier and less depressed. So these are studies, and you know what? I tend to agree with them <laughs> on this. You know what? It's thy will be done, right? Thy will be done. Today we're looking into the word, into our study for John, looking at John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 is our key verse. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Praise God. This lesson is Jesus' response to faith, showing us that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the whole world. Amen. And it was at the well that Jesus met her Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was at Jacob's well the Samaritan woman met her Messiah. The icebreaker question today is, I thought it was interesting and kind of weird, but I'll share it. <laughs> what conversation is heard around the water cooler or break room? What conversation is heard? What kind of conversations are heard when you go into the break room? I guess you could say the cafeteria, the lunch room. It was cute that they called it the water cooler. You could tell what age group wrote this. <laughs> so, I mean, really, what kind of things do people talk about? I mean, today it would definitely be the weather. Yesterday and the day before, it would have been the weather and the roads. <laughs> the road conditions, right? The snow that we had. Um, often, it's whoever just got back. We've got people from the hospital who just went to Kenya on a, on a medical missions trip. So they're talking about their medical missions trip. They're talking about their vacation. They've just been to these hot, sunny places where they come back tanned. Um, boy, they, a lot of people talk about their children, their children, their grandchildren. A lot of people talk about their hardships, the things that they're going through, the, the things that are hard for them. And it's almost like they're trying to process it or share it, or get help. I don't. So, what other kind of things? Armchair quarterbacking. Yep, armchair quarterbacking. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, exactly, right? But it's interesting the things that you would hear, and it's interesting the conversations that were probably around this Jacob's well with not just Jesus and the Samaritan woman, but at any other given time. You know, what kind of conversations were, what kind of, what did they talk about? The events that were coming up, the Thanksgiving dinner, their cost of groceries. (laughs) That is the truth. You're like, you know, where we can get really good fruit or (laughs) not living in Alaska, I don't, it's, it's a struggle, right? Yeah. But in this here, we're going to remember, we remember Nicodemus. And the story of Nicodemus was, you know, he wanted to, the Lord told him how to be born again. And he was like, what do you mean, be born again? Enter into my mother's womb a second time? That seems ridiculous, right? And it is. But he didn't get it. But what was interesting is that he met Jesus alone at night. And Jesus explained to him the kingdom of God, that he must be born again of the water and the spirit. And he thought it was a physical birth rather than something supernatural. If anyone should have recognized the Messiah from all the studying that he had done, being a rabbi and a teacher, um, an elected in Israel, elected official, he should have recognized the signs from the scripture. He did not. However, Their conversation concluded when he visited with Jesus and it was done. Nicodemus was no closer to recognizing or acknowledging Jesus Christ's identity. However, in our story today of the living water, the Samaritan woman not only recognized who he was, she proclaimed the prophet, the Messiah. And the great news is, as we go through today's lesson, she she didn't keep it to herself. She knew what she had done wrong. She was like, you know what? Obviously, there was repentance. She felt bad for her lifestyle of sin, went to the city, shared with the whole town what this man had said about her. He's obviously the Messiah. And you know, in the backs of their little minds, all those scriptures that they had heard all their lives, the promise of the Messiah, and all the things that were coming up and leading up to it, and they're probably like, they're probably making bread or whatever. They're thinking, really? They drop everything. They drop everything they're doing, and they go see this man that she's talking about. It was that much of a conversation, uh, I mean, revelation in that conversation, that it changed her so much to, the, to know that Jesus was the Messiah. She shared it with everyone. Because he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't an ordinary Jewish man, you know, talking to a, a Samaritan, which never happened. First of all, if a, if a Jewish person was to talk to anyone, if it would be a, a man. <laughs> it would not have been a woman, ever. So <laughs> this is like the miracle of all miracles. And so um, it's just amazing. This living water, you know, that we talk about implies, it implies, water also always implies thirst, doesn't it? It always implies, and it makes you thirsty when you talk about it. Just cool, clean, refreshing, lovely water. It implies water, but there's a thirst that we must have in our hearts for the living water, which is that 
Holy Ghost experience in our lives, that living water, that the Holy Ghost refreshes us when we're born again of water and spirit. It is the, it quenches our thirst. It gives us something supernaturally that we are satisfied. We're not longing and craving and wishing and desiring and thinking about it. It's there for us. We have it. It's ours. Um, and it gives us this um, living water gives us a spiritually overflowing life. And if it doesn't, you know what? Go back to square one. Repent. Repent of your sins. And we're going to talk about that. I think that this lesson really could be a lesson on repenting and accepting and with revelation what our lives can be like when we follow the plan of God in our lives. I have a friend at the hospital, and she's a friend, and she's a coworker. I don't have a conversation with her hardly ever without her always saying, you know what, she might say her troubles, but she'll say, you won't believe what God did. You won't believe what God did. Sharon, I want to tell you what God did. And I'm like, and you know what? You know what it does? It just raises those spiritual, like, goosebumps. It's like, oh, I know God's working. She has hard times. We have hard times as people. But she's giving God glory constantly for all things. Yes, when the good things happen, I need to tell you something that really, that's so exciting that happened. Praise God. But when something happens and you know it's a miraculous thing that God did because you've been having a hard time and God comes through in this magical, masterful way, you can't, there's no doubt it was God. It was always God, right? And I love that. I love it even in stressful situations. Let me tell you what God did. I want to tell you what God did. And I love it. It's so good. It's just so good. And you know what it does is it quickens our spirits. And that's what we do as Christians and church family. We quicken one another by telling and sharing. And I think that day when the Samaritan woman went into the city and said, let me tell you what this man has told me. And this he's he is the Messiah. He, he's more than a prophet. He's the Messiah. It quickened something inside of them that they had been longing for, thirsting for, waiting for, and that day finally came. Praise God. John 11, 1.11 tells us that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Um, I'd like to contrast the conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman in John 4, and see what a different outcome between her conversation with him and the one Jesus had with Nicodemus, the conversation he had. Um, if we were going to read, I'm just going to read a little bit here, John 4, 7, starting at, this is basically the story of where we're getting our text today. There cometh a woman of Samaria, verse 7, to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. When that was true, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, 
and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then, such a good question, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. Verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I'm going to go down to verse 24, and it says, God is a spirit, and they worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I knew that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Get this, hear this. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with me? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Right? Wow. What an exchange that day she went to the water to get water at the well. And her lifestyle, she wasn't going early in the day when it was cool to get water. Because of her lifestyle, she probably went midday so that she didn't have to see all the staring eyes of everybody all the women's tongues, yes, all the men's whatever tongues talking about her. This story in the Bible, she is called the woman. She's not even given a name, but rather that she was a woman. We find Jesus talking to this woman, which is something that did not happen. And the fact that she was a Samaritan woman at that, absolutely, this would not have happened. So we read it and we think, oh, this is just happening. It just happens. It doesn't happen. <laughs> the Jews despise the Samaritans because of their mixed racial and religious heritage. This woman had a past, and no doubt she was not considered what we would say good society to be around, right? Some people would assume, and this is where we need to be very careful, some people would assume that because of her lifestyle and her past, that she would not be interested in any spiritual matters. But we can think of people today, and we, d we just need to not assume that we know what's best for their spiritual interest. You cannot see the soul of man. You can see behaviors, but God sees a soul. 
He knows a soul. Remember our friend Paul on that road to Damascus? He was, he was blind. <laughs> the Lord blinded him. He was blind for three days. And he asked, well, what's happening? This is Jesus. Is it really hard for you to keep kicking against the pricks? This is, this is the Lord. And Paul had that life-changing experience. He was on his way to go kill more Christians. That's what he was doing. I don't think any one of us, if we seen him on the road, would be like, hey, Brother Paul. <laughs> but later, guess what? They did. They called him Brother Paul. And it didn't matter what he had done before that he actually had killed Christians. And who knows? Maybe they knew some of them. They, f they forgave him. In the love of God, this, this whole thing about repentance and giving it to God and forgiving others is so necessary in the word of God. The Bible tells us if we don't forgive others of the sins that they've done to us, am I saying that the sin that they did to us was okay or good? No, it wasn't. They did wrong. They were, it was bad. It should have never happened. But you know what? If we don't forgive, God will not forgive us. We have got to forgive. And if that's a hard place, and it, and it can be scary, and that's a hard place. And if you're in that hard place, go back to the beginning. Repent. It, it all starts there. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They really did. Um, however, this meeting, this day with the Samaritan woman, not only changed her life on that one day. I don't know what the sun was how hot the sun was that day, what the temperature was at high noon when she met Jesus at the well. Probably sweat dripping hot. <laughs> hot. The outcome was so good. Her life was changed, but not only her life, the whole community was changed. And that tells me something about each one of us and our witness. Each one of us has such a powerful witness. And the impact is immeasurable. And thank God for it. The Holy Ghost light shining in our community, in our, in our lives. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The woman received Jesus' words, and it changed her. Years ago in Joel, he prophesied that it shall come to pass that afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's his living water. That's the promise he gave us many times in the Old Testament and then into the New Testament. And then we can be like, oh, give thanks for the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. He's so good. And the question is asked, why do you think the Samaritan woman was more receptive to the words of Jesus than Nicodemus was? He had everything going for him, basically, I mean. Everything, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. I like that you said it like that. She's constantly in touch with staying alive. I'd like to think there was a level of desperation in her life every day. And I would say pff, hourly, maybe. That desperation, that soul's hunger. Yes, sis. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah the gospel turns out like the Samaritan village were the ones that did the right thing. Like the Samaritan was the one leper that came back to faith. Oh, yes, that yes. And so like Samaritans, and then when they wanted to put Jesus down, they called him a Samaritan. Oh. So I think it might have been that aspect of them not being, like Nicodemus was in that state where they knew everything. Yes. They were the ones, only ones that had access to God or could define who the Messiah would be, that arrogance. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I like that, that arrogance that she did not have. Right. Exactly. Um, Jesus loved Nicodemus. Jesus loved the Samaritan woman. We cannot, we cannot see the heart of man, but God can. I think there must have been this deep hunger in her heart. You know what? Even her lifestyle you know what, I'm going to guess that she probably cried herself to sleep many nights. I think it was pretty horrific and horrible, and she was living it because that's all she could do at the time, or seemingly do. But a hope filled her heart that day. Something sparked in her soul. And that's the thing that when we're talking with other people, and not Bible-thumping them, and not preaching, screaming to them about whatever sin, loving them, sharing your light with them. They're going to feel your spirit and they're going to feel your love. They're also going to feel your, your condemnation and your self-righteousness. If that's the case, they will feel it. I, I felt it as a young Christian. I feel it now even. So, um, But that hope that was sparked, that knowing that God had not given up on her, that had to do something tremendous to her, even if she had given up on herself, which I believe she had. Um, look past the outside. God's concerned with salvation for our soul. Nicodemia, Nicodemus seemingly had everything going for him. You know, he was a leader of the Jews, a Pharisee, a high elected official. He was a teacher of Israel. And the woman of Samaria was such a stark contrast to him she didn't have really anything going for her. Everything he had been taught about the, Messiah, uh, about the coming Messiah, everything G Nicodemus had been taught, he did not get it. All the scriptures, all the things he had read, he had access to the law, all the things he had read, nothing. Um, you know what? This woman got it. She got it. She... She said, Jesus is a teacher who has come from God. He said, Nicodemus said, that Jesus was a teacher come from God. He didn't get it. But the woman, on the other hand, said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. And she says this in response to Jesus after he reveals her broken life of men. He treated her, he treated her in such a manner I would like to say that he was kind because he treated her in such a manner that she didn't leave. 
She continued to listen, right? She continued to listen and talk to him. He wasn't a typical prejudiced Jew towards the Samaritans. He talked to her. He was not the person offering the judgmental words, however he was, but it wasn't in a mean, condemning way. People feel and know when they are being treated not nice like this. It's not appreciated. It's not nice. And um, later, when their conversation turned to the coming of the Messiah, she says, I know that Messiah is coming. She knew. And Jesus says to her, I am he. Wow. And you know what? She didn't doubt. She instantly believed him. She believed him. She goes back to the town. She finds the ones who shunned her and tells them about Jesus Christ. Whereas Nicodemus, on the other hand, he left confused. She left changed. She left changed. We, too, can be changed today by the rebirth, the living water, the Holy Ghost inside of us. It's still for us today. In fact, it's interesting. Someone asked me this week where I was so excited, and I have to control myself. <laughs> when they ask about the, you know, the plan of salvation, and even the day of Pentecost with the, you know, the fire that appeared on their heads, and they're like, oh, is that like in the pictures you see where the fire's on their heads? And it's like they're getting this small revelation, and I'm like, yeah, and it's just small, but it's just, you know what, it's the word being shared, and I love that. This conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman, um, it shows us that this was for all people. It didn't matter who she was. She wasn't a Pharisee like Nicodemus was. She wasn't a ruler of the Sanhedrin. She came to the well in the fullness of the day, whereas Nicodemus, when he visited Jesus, he admired him. He had went to him in the middle of the night. It's like, hey, <laughs> probably woke him up. I don't know. Repenting, I think, was a great part of this part of the story. Repenting of our sins is that sincere regret for the sin in our lives. And it is still fashionable for Christians in 2023 to repent of our sins. I know a lot of people in Christianity probably don't think it's fashionable to do so, but it is. But we can become desensitized to sin. And I want to give you an example of what that might look like. Kendra moved into this apartment right across from the fire department in Soldatna. Okay, so you can imagine the sirens that just take off at any time during the day or night. And they're so loud. The first few times I was in her apartment and the sirens go off, I'm like, ah, what's happening? Like, like it's such a stark, and it gets your heart racing. You feel like, what's happening? And Kendra's like, oh, it's just the fire department. I think they actually sleep through those sirens now. No, I'm not kidding you. I, they sleep through them. They hear them. They just, I don't even know if they hear them. They just sleep through them. But <laughs> they live, they function, they sleep through all of those loud sounds. Now, someone, for myself, I'm like, I'm startled. I hear the sound, I'm just startled. It scares me, and it's, I'm jolted. I thought of sin being like that. It, be, it can become, we can become desensitized to whatever it is 
we become so familiar with it. It's around us, it's near us, and it just becomes part of our environment, God forbid. That's where we can find this place of repentance and say, Lord, you know, this is, this is sin. I don't want to live in this lane anymore. I want to be righteous. I want to be holy. I want to live true and just. And this song, someone reminded me, sent me this song this week, and I haven't heard it forever. And I'm, the verse says this. It's called, What Sin? What Sin? The verse says, The heaviest thing you'll carry is a load of guilt and shame. You were never meant to bear them, so let them go in Jesus' name. Our God is slow to anger, quick to forgive our sin, so put them under the blood. Don't bring them up again, because he'll just say, what sin? He goes, what sin? What sin? That's how the song goes. My voice is bad. It's as far away as the east is from the west. And he goes, what sin? What sin? It was gone the very minute you confessed, buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Amen? Amen. I was like, I haven't heard that song forever. And it was like, it was just out of the blue. Like someone who I infrequently text. And it was amazing. I was like, thank you. <laughs> we repent enough to be forgiven. My question today is, do we repent enough to surrender to be changed. Repentance is not staying the same. We don't want to stay the same and keep things with us that will burden us down. And, you know, sin is like that snowball that starts at the top of the hill. It's really small. And as it goes down, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Somewhere at the bottom, it's going to hit something, whether it's a tree or a rock or, God forbid, anyone. <laughs> But it's going to break, and it's just going to be a mess. Sin is like that. It starts so small, and it's like, oh, it's okay. It's a small snowball. But it's not a small snowball. That meeting that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman asked with a request for a drink of water. You know, that thirsting in our souls, that drink of water for, from spiritual things, from the Holy Ghost flowing to us, through us, you know, not being stopped up, you know, allowing it to flow through us. We don't keep it to ourselves. That's like a, a dam. <laughs> we want to let it flow out of us. And um, the Jews, they refused to travel into that region, but Jesus did not have the prejudice of his culture. He did not hesitate to travel there and go through Samaria. And the woman was very surprised by his visit there. I'm like literally halfway through my notes. You know what? I always think I never have enough. I want more. <laughs> I want to get more in here. Um, I had heard a story recently from one of our prodigals in one of our churches here. And he's a young man, and he said, that he's not coming to church because the people don't treat him good. The people in church don't treat him good. And I'm thinking, shame, you know what? It's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be a love that flows through us from God, the Holy Ghost love. And it's overwhelming, that love. 
I literally can love a complete stranger that I meet at the hospital. I mean, I can feel such love for them. And, and when they have hurts and trauma or disappointment, I literally, it's like any one of you experience it, how much I love you, I would feel those same emotions. I mean, there's tears, there's hugs, there's grief, there's all of those emotions. I mean, because I feel that love. And we are to love people like he loved us. He loves us. And that's, we can just do so much as a church, as a community, as individuals, just to get back to the love of God. Repent. And this woman here, when had she felt love that wasn't from God? She, she had not felt the love of God. That's what we all want, is to feel the love of God and celebrate the value in every human soul. I'm going to go right to my last page. <laughs> you know, God's so good. Oh, I love him so much. So good. As we approach Thanksgiving, let's remember Psalms 95, 1 through 5. It says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalm, for the Lord is the great God and the great king above all small g gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills also are his also, are his also. Praise God. God bless you today as we celebrate in Jesus Christ and love one another. Amen. God bless you.